Welcome to the Strive for More podcast. My name is Jared Hendry and I'm the founder of Strive. We're a group of young entrepreneurs that you've probably never heard of. In our weekly meetings, we share keystone habits that can change the lives of the other entrepreneurs in the group. And now I want to share those habits with you. Each week, you'll get access to what we call the teachable moment. And that focuses on improving the quality of our health, wealth, and relationships. I'm really fortunate today to be joined by Tate Hackert. Tate is born in Comox and we actually grew up together. He went to the University of Victoria and did an exchange at the City University of Hong Kong where he completed his Bachelor of Arts in Economics. Between the ages of 16 and 23, he originated more than $300,000 in loans through sourced leads on Craigslist. Tate is currently the founder and president of Zayzoon. And Zayzoon is an HR technology company on a mission to improve employee health through the use of responsible financial products. One of the key offerings that Zayzoon has is wages on demand, which gives employees access to their earned wages in advance of their regularly scheduled paydays. Tate, thank you for joining us today. That was a beautiful intro. You can just record that for future presentations. Yeah, no doubt. And you can just plug and play. Can you copy and paste that and give that to me? (laughs) (laughs) It made me sound so good. Well, you are so good. So thank you for joining us today. And you have, my friend, reached really remarkable heights in business. You founded a company, Zayzoon, and that's grown to almost 30 employees in Canada and the U.S. You've also raised $15 million in 2019. So we know where you're currently at, but I am interested to go back to your past and explore how you got here. So I'd like if you could tell us at what age you made your first foray into business and what was that business? Oh, that's a tough question um, because it's really difficult to remember, actually. Um, Probably the classic like lemonade stand at the end of the driveway. So... In Comox, we lived on the outskirts of town and we had a house set back like half a kilometer long driveway. And uh, I think like at age four or five, my parents would let me go sit at the edge of the driveway and we'd set up a little lemonade stand and have that little like, you know, classic, what you see at like football games with with the ability to pull out the lemonade and serve people and um, had like the little tip cup there and everything to, to grab money. You did money. not get any tips. I didn't make any money really no. <laughs> um, because, because we lived on the outskirts of town and again, like on this, on this farm. And so you get like one car driving by every, I don't know, hour. And as a five-year-old kid, an hour seems like eight Forever. days. Um, and so usually I'd only last an hour. So, you know, I'd be lucky if I got like one person and then like, Every so often you get someone that comes by and they like give you five bucks for a glass of lemonade. And then that feels like pretty awesome. But uh, no, I, I mean, I think uh, other than that, there, there's, there's always been little kind of hustles that occurred, um, you know, throughout university, uh, throughout high school, uh, always kind of doing stuff. Um, did, a, did a little painting uh, side gig in, in high school, um, which actually, you know, paid for uh, the entire first year of university. Uh, just from that summer of, of painting in, in Comox. Um, but super fortunate, like, in, in the case of the painting, like, my dad had a truck and he had scaffolding and all of that was kind of at my disposal. So it really was just up to me to, like, go and hustle and get people to want their houses painted. 
Um, but all the supplies and stuff were there, so I was pretty fortunate in that aspect. Do you remember what the lesson was that you took out of that foray with the painting? Uh, I think I think just like the hustle. Like I'm, I'm going to say hustle a lot, probably. <laughs> this, That's the title of the podcast. <laughs> I, uh, I think it's a really important skill, and I think it's a really underrated skill and um, a skill that not a ton of people have, to, to be honest. But um, yeah, I think just like the ability to go and knock on doors, like literally knock on doors and have conversations with strangers and try to sell them something. Um, and then like figuring out neat little ways to do new things. So I tried to do the same thing in Victoria um, when I moved there for school. I tried to start up a little painting company and uh, I think I used like Vista print and got brochures done up and did door to doors and then also like did mail outs. Um, but it's just like figuring out what works in different neighborhoods and what doesn't, um, which I think applies to like the online world as well, right? Like it's figuring out what works with certain demographics of people and, and what doesn't. And um, you kind of got to like hustle or like figure out a different way to, to relate in different situations. Where did that hustle skill come from? Do you remember how it was developed or when you realized that was significant? It was probably like, I'd like to say it was my dad because he's like the entrepreneur in the family, but honestly it was probably my mom, um, which is funny to say, but I think my mom was always very like, uh, easy going with me being me and being like the obnoxious child and uh i i don't know how that relates to hustle i just i I feel like i feel like it like gave me the the tools to kind of um get out and like be wild and be myself which i think kind of comes down to like finding different ways to problem solve and um finding different ways to do things that's really interesting. We've got to give a shout out to Tate's mom right now, I guess. So thank you. She should get some shares in Zazun is what I'm hearing. Yeah, she'll, she'll probably get all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you also lent out $300,000 over the period of seven years. Can you tell us how did that business start? Where did that come from? Where did you even get that money in the first place? So growing up on Vancouver Island, uh, Comox is like a really cool town because you have this like very small town vibe. I mean, it, it is a small town. Back then it was smaller even, but it, it's a very small town vibe, um, but like fairly affluent, I think. Uh, like you have a really solid fishing industry. You had a very solid uh, logging and, and uh, timber industry. Um, and so there's like, there's quite a bit of opportunity if, if you just go for it. Uh, and so, I actually worked in the fishing industry. Um, and so as a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, um, I was able to go out on the boat for 20 or 30 or 40 days and actually come back with quite a bit of money um, and then saved every penny of that. And when I was 15 or 16, I did my first second mortgage. Uh, so essentially someone has a mortgage on their house, they're looking to refinance it or they're looking to you know bring another capital. Um, and so instead of going to the bank or whatever else, maybe they have you know poor credit, maybe something happened, they need to refinance for whatever reason, uh, they go to a private lender. And so I ended up doing a second mortgage uh, for this individual and 
it was like a total fluke. Like my dad basically just said, Hey, you should do a second mortgage for this guy. And I was like, what's a second mortgage? <laughs> what's a mortgage? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, just give him money. And then in a year you'll get money back plus interest. And I'm like, well, is it safe? And he's like, yeah. And I think it was like basically his way of just like introducing me to that game. Um, so sure enough, like a year later I get the money back that I gave plus, plus the interest. And I was like, Oh shit, this is a pretty dope thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of just went crazy with it. I, I literally put up money available ads on Kijiji and uh, Craigslist. And I guess, I guess Craigslist at the time and then later Kijiji. Um, and I would sift through like three, 400 emails and right away, you know, three quarters of them are terrible. And then a quarter is like, Oh, like maybe this person has good collateral or this person I'm Look, a construction worker. And yeah. I'm yeah. Them. Like, Oh, they already sent me like their pay stubs and stuff like this. This seems legit. Um, and then you'd meet with them and you'd kind of just like run your own little risk algorithm, uh, in, in person. <laughs> seems sketchy. Doesn't seem <laughs> sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fairly binary. Um, and then, yeah, just hand them over money. Uh, and so loans range from anywhere from, I don't know, a couple hundred, a few hundred dollars to, uh, $50,000, The average one would have been, you know, probably in that three, $4,000 range. Any lessons that you took out of that early experience? Uh, you know, I, I, I only got burned once, um, which, you know, if I got burned more, it probably would have provided me with more lessons, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I think just like the case that I got burned on, it was not listening to my gut. Um, and I, I knew that I shouldn't be doing it, but I was like on a roll. I had all this momentum. I was starting to pump out like more and more cash for for, for loans. Um, and so I was really not as concerned with the underwriting process as I was with just like, oh, get more money out the door. Um, <clears throat> and so I like I knew that it wasn't the right thing to do, but I took the risk anyways. And so I think that's like probably a big lesson. It's just like, listen to your gut. And by getting burned, you mean that the person didn't end up paying you back? Yeah, 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 exactly. You know what I'm really interested about is that you mentioned um, like at 16 years old, you were already thinking about how do I make this extra income and that your dad was this big influence on you. It's interesting because Honestly, like at that time, all I was thinking about was baseball and maybe a little bit of school. And that was kind of the extent of my thought process. And so girls, a little bit girls, not even really at that stage. Um, And so it was just so interesting for me to hear that at that age, you were so focused on on the business stuff. You also mentioned that your dad played a role in getting you into that. So can you just speak to the influence that your dad had on you? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's always been like a trying to figure out any way to make a buck type guy. Um, and so I, I think that just like growing up with that, um, and also like growing up with like, not necessarily cash rich, um, like cash flow rich, but like asset rich kind of like teaches you the value of money. Um, and it, it, it makes you want to have that investing mindset because you can see like the tangible growth, whether through like real estate or whatever else. And you start to realize that like, the material things that come with cash flow isn't necessarily all that important. Um, You're talking about having the fancy car, the big house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, th- I think like going into going into um, high school or university, like I was never too 
obsessed with like clothes or like except for jeans material goods shoes yeah yeah shoes are a big one for me <laughs> um but but yeah so so i i think it like so if you're not spending your money on stuff you may as well be having it make money for you um and then you can you know it it, it betters your it prolongs your life in other ways later on i don't know it's 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 kind of a weird do you thing. think that that experience of making that loan for the very first time and then seeing that when you got that back a year later that there was more that you're getting this whole big chunk of money in addition to that original loan do you think that that also kickstarted that process for you and really got you turning towards investing in the future as opposed to if that loan hadn't have worked out maybe you would have gone in the different direction do you think oh true yeah yeah totally i i, I mean hard to say like hindsight's 2020 i guess but um, yeah, like I think like having positive reinforcement by way of like you make a loan, the expectation is you get that money back with interest. And so if you, if that expectation wasn't met, then you would probably rethink loaning out more money. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Um, and so, so then it really becomes like, uh, would that have like shifted the, the wanting to preserve money and make more money like would that have shifted it to a different channel or, or would it have just like gone away in total I, I don't know hard to say you started this business in high school and then that transitioned to uni university right the university of victoria so i'm interested to know if you kind of thought that your path going forward was going to be that you were going to start a business that's kind of the sense that i'm getting why did you even go to university in the first place because I didn't know what I wanted to do and because my parents paid for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I was lucky in that sense. Like, university was, was paid for. It was, um, it was a learning experience. Like, that, that's how it was always positioned to me. Like, I actually, I remember saying to, like, my mom and dad, like, ah, like, should I even do this? Or like, why don't I just go on the boat or like, maybe I get my diving license and like do the boat more. Um, maybe I like, I had a, a hundred ideas that were both entrepreneurial and awful and awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and just, and just like normal, like boat or, you know, back then, like uh, Calgary was booming. So it was maybe I just go up and be a roughneck. Um, so, so all of those things were like definitely in my mind, but, uh, my dad always said like, oh, it's a learning experience. Like it'll just take all the intangibles or, or not intangibles. Maybe that's the wrong word. Like the, the indirect benefits mm -hmm. from university. Um, so sure. Like maybe you don't want to be like an economist, um, but like meet all the people that are in your classes like learn about financial statements and how the world works and yeah and or e even more so like like use it as a networking opportunity use it as a way to hone your time management skills use it as a way to um learn how to write succinctly mm. succinctly is that a word yep totally you're writing succinctly right now <laughs> speaking succinctly um so it's kind of like all those indirect benefits of, of school i guess um and, and actually to that point like I, I literally did not go to a single class in third year. Wow. Um, like nothing but tests. Uh, because I found out like pretty, I found out like pretty early on, 
um, like high school early on or junior high early on that I could pretty much do nothing and get like a B minus or a C plus. <laughs> and so why like put in, in any effort to get more than that? If like the only reason grades really matters if you're going to a, a post-secondary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, I remember finding out in grade 12 or grade 11, ended grade 11 that UVic was like 73% to get in. And I'm like, okay, I'll get 73%. <laughs> and I did, I got like 74% across the board um, and then got into UVic. And then when I was in UVic, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not like, I'm not going on to anything school related. So if I can just show up and get a C plus or, if, you know, not even show up, I'm going to show up to the test and get a C plus. That's great. What did you do with that extra time? So, yeah. So, so I, I booked meetings. I had three coffees and three phone calls, at least three phone calls and three coffees every single week. Wow. And so I just like reach out to local entrepreneurs, local uh, business people, um, spam LinkedIn for, for people. Just people in Victoria. Or would you reach out? All no, no, like, like spam LinkedIn for like people in the States, people in all over Canada, um, wherever what you really. What about with those people? Um, it, it, it shifted, uh, but I, I became like pretty interested in financial technology, like maybe end of first year university. Um, there was a company at the time called Community Lend. Uh, they're out of Toronto. They're like this peer-to-peer lending company. Uh, so kind of like eBay for money. So as an individual, you go on, you say, hey, I need uh, $5,000 because I want to renovate my kitchen. And then here's my credit. Here's everything about me. I'm, I'm good. And then a bunch of lender or a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of normal people or lenders from around Canada could choose to invest $10 to, you know, the entire amount that you posted into you. And then you'd pay them back a return. Does that make sense? Totally. So it's kind of like a way to, to you could diversify across all these people that were looking for money and uh, give them, you know, 10 bucks each and, and diversify and kind of reduce your risk that way. Um, so I was like super interested in, in fintech and, and money, uh, money lending. Um, and so, yeah, like Community Lend was that company, reached out to one of the founders there. Um, and that was like LinkedIn phone calls, Facebook, uh, I think that was probably it. And uh, yeah, I mean, now fast forward 10 years, that person's on the board of Zazun and a shareholder what? and yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty cool, uh, it's pretty cool that it happened. But yeah, I think like the conversations just shifted over time, but most of the time it was like, hey, I'm a university student, I'm interested in this thing that you're doing um, I've, you know, I'm curious about this. And so not going into a conversation with like, Hey, I'd like to pick your brain, but going into a conversation with like, Hey, I'd like to learn about the X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Right. And give them like three or two really like concise points that you want to dig into. Um, and then provide them like, by the way, I'm available this time, this time, and this time just like sales one-on-one, right? Like just mm. like make it as easy as possible for them to say yes to, to a meeting with you. Um, and then once you're on the meeting, like the conversation just flows anyways. And if you hit it off with the person, then you end up having more conversations. So for example, this person that you got onto your board, 
from the platform that you're talking about. How did that relationship transition from that phone call, that original phone call, that original LinkedIn, Facebook, etc.? How did that then transition into a relationship? Do you remember that process? Yeah, so that, that person's Casper Wong. Um, and so Casper, Casper was, yeah, uh, co-founder at, at Community Lend and, and now uh, co-founder at, at Finance It, um, which is a ridiculously successful um, Canadian financial technology company. But uh, yeah, kind of just like transition from like, hey, I'd like to chat about fintech with you. Um, like I have these ideas, what do you think? And then he kind of gives me advice on that. And then I ended up in Toronto like two years later. And at the time, you know, we had probably been speaking every six months or so. Mm. Ended up in Toronto, ended up meeting him in person. Um, basically almost blew the meeting, by the way. I was like, How'd you do it? I was like, late. <laughs> it was snowing outside. I, uh, I crashed my uncle's truck into like a, into a parkade barrier thing. Um, showed up to the meeting all late. Uh, I was with whiplash. I, I, I was wearing like just what I always wear, which is just a hoodie and jeans. Um, and I, actually that's a stretch. I wear hoodies. You wear sweatpants. a Zazun sweater um, at all times. And, and so, uh, yeah, but then, but then I think like, I think it was just like that eagerness to learn. I think that, like that eagerness to learn is really important. And I think a lot of people can, um, relate to that. Like if you have someone that is eager to learn, they're eager to get your help. Like people love giving help. And if you actually show that you're putting the work in, so if someone says, oh, that's a great idea. Well, hey, this is some experiences I had. Um, you should look into these three things. And if you look into those three things and then go back with questions about those, like they're like, oh shit, I'm actually impacting this. Yeah, I'm actually helping this kid's actually taking the time to um, take my advice and then you know, revert back to me on it. Um, and so I think that's like super important. Everyone... You know, if, if you want to be an entrepreneur, like that's, I think just networking young and, and doing that is important. It's so interesting to hear you describe that process of you sitting down for coffees and phone calls with those individuals over the course of your whole university, because we went to university together and I never knew that you did any of that. And so you're very stealth with that relationship building. It's very, I think that's very cool that oftentimes people get caught up in, I'm an entrepreneur and really focused on telling other people that they're an entrepreneur as opposed to doing the actual hard work, which is reaching out to people, connecting with people, and having those phone calls, because that takes courage. Yeah, I mean, I, I, but, but it's not like I thought of myself as an entrepreneur at the time either. I just thought of myself as like some kid that was trying to get help from other people. <laughs> yeah, and you did that. You, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like there's nothing really to like talk about or brag about. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going for coffee. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going down to Cadborough Bay, yeah. grabbing a Starbucks. <laughs> Have fun in class, loser. Yeah. <laughs> and I was the loser in class. <laughs> so it sounds like you created this idea about Zayzoon through that process of networking. Was there anything specific that led to that creation of Zayzoon? Uh, no, nothing specific. I mean, it, it was, you know, basically through doing through doing loans and, and I say smaller dollar, like two, three, four thousand um, dollars isn't, isn't what is considered a small dollar loan, like in the sense of like a payday loan, but it is small dollar. Um, and so I think like 
when doing that, like you end up seeing the same attributes that pop up in payday lending, which is like uh, individuals that have decent incomes, but they can't Meet afford their... to get by for the next three weeks. Like, why is that? Um, oh, this person's paying a ton in banking fees. This person has overdraft. Um, and so I think through that, it was just like a bunch of research. And then really it just came came out to be like, okay, how can we provide short-term liquidity to someone that doesn't cost them an arm and a leg, doesn't put them into debt, and doesn't require them to go to a, you know, a CD store in a weird part of town. Um, and so that's like really where Zazian came out of it. It was like, well, if we can give them access to, to the wages that they've already earned, we're not giving them debt, we're just accelerating their payroll, we can do so for a super low fee because of our integration with the employer and really issuing it out as, as an employee benefit. Um, and then of course, like online. So it takes away all the, can you speak just briefly about your on-demand product that you've got just so the listeners kind of understand what that is? Yeah. So, so essentially, um, there's, if, if you don't know, there's, uh, 78% of Americans is kind of the number that's already always thrown out. So 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Um, and I, I like to say it's it's not necessarily an income issue; it's a cash flow issue. Mm-hmm. So we live in a world where payday occurs on the first and fifteenth, but you have rent on the first, and then you might have your cable bill on the third, and then your utility bill on the fourth, car and then you have a car payment on the seventh, and you know so on and so forth. And people aren't inherently good at budgeting, and so they fall into these cash crunches halfway between paydays, uh, and they end up either using a payday loan and they pay, you know, $30 for a $200 advance or, uh, or $30 for a $200 loan, or they pay $35 in overdraft fees. So actually the, the, the average overdraft fee overdraft is a $30 billion business, by the way, in the States. And so the average overdraft fee is $35 and it's triggered by a $24 transaction. Whoa. So it means someone paid 24 bucks, it put their bank account into the negative, so they got hit with a $35 charge. Wow. So, so really what Zazun does is it provides employees a way to grab their payroll early. So, Access hours that they've already Yeah, so, so essentially like, you know, it's uh, whatever day it is today, it's, it's Thursday. Thursday. Um, it's, say it's day four of your working week, of your, of your pay period. Uh, and say you make $100 a day. So you've made $400 this week, um, but you're not going to get paid for another nine days. Uh, and so with us, you can log in to our app and you can pull out that $400 and pay a $5 fee to do so. And generally you have integrated with payroll companies in order to give folks those loans. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, so to give them the advances. Sorry. Uh, advances. Yeah, no, no, no worries, no worries. So to to provide employees their, their wages, we we integrate with payroll companies and employers. Yeah, so so kind of kind of like the, the the concept behind there is um, when you integrate with an employer and in, in, into payroll, uh, you can then when 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 you get paid repaid on the on the payday, uh, you can take those funds directly off of their paycheck. Um, and it makes for a really seamless payments experience for the customer. Uh, but it also makes for an awesome experience for us as a business because we're not trying to debit someone's bank account and potentially put them into overdraft Mm. and, you know, 
lose that money and whatever else. Um, so it, it really, it just provides like a more seamless experience all around. Uh, and it gives us the ability to provide advances to employees for, you know, a fraction of the cost. So 200 bucks in California, um, unless it's changed as of recent, it's like $30 in fees uh, for a payday loan. Um, you know, $24 in an, over, in an overdraft uh, charge is, or in an overdraft is a $35 charge. Uh, with Zazun, you can grab 200 bucks and it costs you $5. Wow. When you first started Zazun, what did you focus on? Like, obviously you had to do your business plans, you had to network, you had to build out your product. Was there one thing that had a bigger focus than everything else in the business for you at that early stage? My focus has always been more so on the networking side and building relationships and just hoping that that will somehow pay dividends. <laughs> and so I think when we were first, you know, when, when I first started Zazun, um, it was, well, well, first of all, I, I was, I was a solo founder. Um, and so I had to go out and find co-founders. Um, and so that in and of itself was like networking and, and, uh, trying to, you know, chat with people and figure out like who to go on this journey with, like who essentially to like marry for the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, and, and beyond hopefully if, you know, if it's successful and we go on to do other things together. Um, and then, uh, yeah, other than that, like, I think just continuing those, you know, iterations of those conversations that I had all through university, like just having conversations, but with a more succinct, like plan in mind. Um, and like the audience shifts a little bit. So then it starts being like, oh, hey, Mr. Payroll Company, um, we have this product that we're developing would this be of interest to you? And so you start to almost like proof of concept it by way of mouth, like, um, yeah, by, by, by wor word of mouth, yeah, by conversation. Um, and so that, that, that really is like the first proof of concept, right? Like you, you proof of concept it by way of conversation. And then if you have enough, like people saying, oh, this is dope, like, let's do this. Then you kind of shift it into like, okay, like let's build an interface. And I mean, our, our first interface that we built, so, like we had a, a basically a customer experience, but the whole back end was me on a swivel chair um, sending e-transfers. <laughs> so a customer like a request would come in for 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 a, an advance, and then you know I'd get notified via email that 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 request came in, and then uh, I'd go and I'd see their email, and I'd take that email and put it into Interact e-transfer and send that Interact e-transfer from, it might've even been my personal account when we started, or maybe it was our business account. But yeah, so, so it was like super swivel chair, right? So, so from the customer standpoint, it looks like automated. They're like, oh, I just, I go to www.zazoon.com slash, you know, test. And, oh, it tells me here to sign up with my employer. So I put in my employer, blah, 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 all done. Uh, and then, oh, I grab some money. And they're like, oh, wow, I just went from, sign up i i went from like literally never knowing about zazun before to getting to money. having money in my bank account like e-transfers you know um instant essentially so i went from signing up for from never learning about this before to having money in my bank account within like a minute and a half 
those customers just never saw you on the other side of that transaction, just <laughs> swiveling constantly and sweating. Swivel chair, yeah. And so luckily, but but, but like like that's what you got to do to like proof of concept something, right? Yeah. Like you do shit that doesn't scale, with with the idea that like you'll like you'll scale it. Um, and so like fast forward now, we we do exactly that. Like an employee can see us in a lunchroom poster. They can download the app. They can. Uh, sign up and have funds in their bank account a minute and a half later um, but no one needs to lift a finger. How long was that test period with the e-transfers? Do you remember? Oh fuck, way too long. <laughs> like a year? Uh, yeah, it was like yeah, pro it, you know what? It was probably like 18 months. How many did you send e-transfers do you think? Uh, oh, I don't know. Like, not that many. But like, like 100? Oh, like like a thousand, like in the thousands, like more than 5,000, less than 10,000, I would say. Wow. That was back when banks charged, I think, too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they still do charge for business accounts anyways. Oh. But, but yeah, it was like a buck 50 a pop or whatever. Whoa. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, yeah, I mean, I guess like the proof of concept for us was extremely long. Um, partly because I, I think all of us were in the beginning stage, like kind of one foot in, not, not, not one foot in on the idea, but like, uh, you know, my, my, my partner, um, Darcy tour, he was, he was winding or he, not winding down a business. He was exiting a business. Like he was, um, he was stepping down as CEO and bringing in someone else and kind of running that succession plan. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was still like, again, like fishing industry was good money. So I'd like every September and October, I took two months off and I'd go back to the island and, and, uh, make some money. And that, that would that? then, that would then like, you know, float me for the entire year. Good pun. Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, exactly. Right. Like work two months and not have to worry for a year or more. Yeah. Um, and so like we were kind of like in that sense, like we we're in a transitioning phase. So the proof of concept took super long. Do you remember the transition point for you when you finally said, I'm not going to go fishing anymore. I'm going to focus purely on the business. Yeah, it was probably uh, when we brought in like our first round of capital, um, which, which wasn't a lot. Uh, but um, was that a mandate to get that money? No, no, no. It was more like a, like, oh shit, like people are putting their money into this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I should probably stop fucking around and do something. I've got to stop fishing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that, that that would have been it. Yeah. Did you know at that time that, like, when you first got that money, did you know the business was going to be successful, or was this still kind of the thing where you thought, I wonder if this is going to work out? Am I just going to have to go back to fishing? Oh, dude, I think that every day. <laughs> <laughs> the fishers won't take you anymore. I, I couldn't take the fishing anymore. My <laughs> my hands are soft. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. No, like I think like as an entrepreneur, um, as a founder, like it's it's as anyone that works in a startup, I think it's like touch and go. Um, like some days you feel like literally it changes hour by hour. Um, or half hour by half hour, depending on how you schedule your calendar. <laughs> um, Six minute intervals. Like, like, like you could have one half hour call and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. And then the next half hour call, you're like, oh, never mind. The business is going under. Yeah. And, 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 and a lot of that's like obviously just getting in your head. 
Um, but yeah, I think like a little bit of a little bit of like cautiously optimistic is is probably healthy. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it, it kind of keeps you on your toes. On the other end of that, did you have any early failures where you thought, "Whoa, this is going to ruin the business"? It's not even a business. Mm, not, not really. I, I I think there was like, <clears throat> um, there was wonder around how big the business could be. There was wonder around like, oh, are we going to have to lay off some employees because this investor just pulled out? Wow. Um, so there's stuff like that, but I don't think there's ever like, like this isn't going to work. Like, I think we, we've all, uh, been very, um, positive, very, yeah, very confident in the business, even like there's ups and downs obviously, but I think at the end of the week when you decompress and whenever that end of the week is, Mm -hmm. um, I think you, you end up feeling pretty good about it. Once that business was established, did you find that there was any really successful methods you found of growing the business itself? Yeah. I, I mean, like we're only, we're only 26 employees or whatever. Right. So it's, it's nothing crazy big right now. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think just like ensuring there's employee engagement and promoting, a uh, creating a good culture and, and, you know, cultures created by, by the people that you hire and, and, kind of like what your everyday work is like and and not like the not like the little tools and stuff that are used or like the it doesn't matter that you have Zayzoon on your shirt. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, I think it does actually a little bit. <laughs> I do. I, I think I think there's I think there's something to that that group think for sure. Um, but I just mean like like it, it's not about the 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 ping pong tables and all that. Like I'm sure this is this is said lots in in kind of like the culture argument, but it's really about like the people that you hire. So I think for us, um, a big turning point was implementing like a really strict interview process um, whereby, you know, like not only is there a couple initial meetings, but then there's like an hour and a half interview process, um, which is done by design because after an hour and a half, like individuals can only keep up a facade for so long and then they start to tire. That's why Um, this interview is only going to be an hour and a half. Yeah, thank God. Um, and so, 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 so yeah, I think, I think like that's really helped us put the right people in the right seats. Um, but I, I mean like even taking a step back or, or like, like looking at it from, from 30,000 feet, like that's what it's all about, right? Like just surrounding yourself with the best possible team. Where did you come up with that idea about the longer interviews? Uh, so that was actually, so we hired on a VP of operations like 16 months ago. And she, uh, she's like an execution master with that stuff. Um, and like a, like a process master. Um, and so she brought kind of that entire hiring regiment to our business. Um, and then also like a bunch of, you know, we had inherently done, um, employee activities. Uh, we, we do like we, we ran, um, we do daily scrums. We ran, uh, uh, quarterly meetings and annual plannings, but, it wasn't really, it wasn't really well structured. Um, and so she really brought like a good structure to that and accountability to it. What's the structure piece? Uh, I think just in a calendar. No, like, 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 like I think just like, um, like having, having a proper agenda, like not just, so, so if you think of like the founder mentality or, or at least like 
me and me and my co-founders um were very much like we get in a room and you just start like everyone's yelling over each other and you're throwing out ideas and you're kind of just like firing from the hip um but that's not like an actual way to run a meeting <laughs> and and i think that like like and, th and then what you get is like people that aren't as dominant like they don't speak up and then voices aren't her heard um and and uh and so sh I think like applying a more structured process to our business um, and going into the quarterly planning or the annual planning with an agenda, um, having a facilitator to, to run the meeting, um, you know, sticking to the schedule uh, and actually taking, taking those things and, and, and putting them into uh, our pro product roadmap, t taking them and putting them into, like we do these things called rocks. So just like yeah. setting your priorities. Um, so actually like creating a rock board um, and then not just like leaving it at that, but like doing weekly accountability checks and checking in on those rocks and the progress of each one. And who checks in with that accountability piece? Is there partners? Or is there one person that controls that whole process? It, it's, it's done like by the um, uh, department. So, so, so operations will be headed. Yeah. Operations. Yeah. Finance, uh, uh, customer success, development. Yeah. Got it. It's really interesting. You you spoke about how certain employees, if they're not really vocal, they can't actually speak up and get their voice heard, even if they do have really great ideas. What's really interesting is that you hit on something that Google found. It's called psychological safety. So Google did this big five-year study because they wanted to prove that managers didn't matter. They wanted to have this super flat organization. And so they were trying to prove through this process, this research process, that managers didn't matter. And what they found actually is the exact opposite. They found that managers matter a ton. And the most important thing that manage, managers can do or CEOs or presidents or founders is to create something called psychological safety. And so ensuring that that quiet voice gets heard is exactly that process of creating psychological safety because you ensure that that person's voice gets heard, that the whole group actually becomes better. So instead of one plus one equals two, it's actually one plus one equals three. And so that just means that you multiply the efforts of the group. Yeah, makes total sense. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Um, you spoke about the unique methods that you use to engage the staff and, and creating that interesting culture. I'd be interested to know, is there anything, as you look forward to the future, is there any kind of interesting pieces on culture that you want to implement? Uh, we So for the first time this past annual planning, uh, we did a, a theme. So um, our, our theme for the, for the quarter um, was, was growth, uh, specifically um, customer growth, uh, and so or, or unique customer growth, I guess I should say. Um, and so we built a theme around that. And so uh, what what that meant was like we split into groups, and it was like it was like school. So you split into split into groups, and each group has to come back with like an idea of like what they want their theme to be. So um, I think our group did. Uh, uh, like a, a movie poster and there was like a maze and it was the shining. It was like a, a kind of a spoof on the shining. Um, but I forget what like the, the spoof of the shining words were. <laughs> um, I can't, I can't remember now, but, but there's like a maze and then like basically for each new customer, it like brings you further and further out of the maze. Um, and then eventually once you're out of the maze, uh, you, 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 you know, you've completed your goal. And if us as an organization completed the goal, um, then we'd take everyone to the movies for, for the night. Uh, the, the theme that won, um, was don't stop believing. 
And so what it was is uh, just a, if you go to our office now, there's there's a big tree, like a paper tree on the I've wall. I've seen it on Instagram. So so a big tree on the wall, and every time a employee does something to promote um, customer unique customer growth, um, so whether that's you know someone in customer success that that uh, had a great conversation and you know convinced someone to sign up or it was uh, uh, you know, someone in development put in a new, um, did a bug fix, which you know, allowed more signups or, or whatever else, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Mm-hmm. Um, but you nominate that person for a leaf, that leaf gets put on the tree. And so the whole point is that that tree at the end of the quarter is completely full um, for each milestone. Uh, so we, we have like predefined milestones of, of growth. So certain uh, customer counts, um, a big leaf, gets put on the tree and uh, a plant gets put in the office wow. um, because there is a bunch of talk about our office being bland. <laughs> and so we thought that this was a cool way to like gamify decorating the office. Um, so I don't know, like shit like that, man. That's like very cool. I love that. Yeah. So like it kind of like pulls the whole organization together. Um, I want an aloe plant. So <laughs> if I can help out, I'm in. Yeah, do it. Do it. I, I, I'll put a leaf up. Yeah. <laughs> Jared for getting ex- getting Zazian exposure on his podcast. On my podcast. Yeah. It gets lots of listens. <laughs> so something interesting that you just mentioned, I see a parallel to what we do at Strive. And so we as well, we just went through our quarterly planning for each of us. And in that process, we also set our theme, but we set our theme for the year. And so that's an individual theme. And the really neat thing about a theme that I can see is that it gives you an opportunity when you're at a decision point, like you're at a fork in a road and you've got two potential decisions. Like, do I focus on sales or do I focus on education? Whatever that decision point is for you. And you can go back to your theme and say, well, my decision is actually that I need to become a better salesperson. So you can focus on sales and that just really narrows your focus. And um, yeah, an interesting parallel that to our group as well. Hmm. We need to get more plants though. What do you think has been the biggest area of development for you as president? Probably um, a little bit of what I just described, like uh, the, actually, no, I guess not what I just described Um, a little bit. So I I think like I really like being in the weeds and like being like a task manager, not manager. Like I, I like, I like doing tasks. Like I like, I like doing that, like, honestly, shallow work, <laughs> um, like, just just fucking, like, ripping through stuff, um, almost like that manufacturing mindset of just, like, the conveyor belt's going, and you're just continuing to, to do the same thing over and over. Getting the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so uh, I, obviously, I've, I've always loved doing sales. I, I love doing other stuff as well, but I think, like, the biggest transition for me has been letting go of that stuff and being uh, being like a leader more than more than an employee, I guess, if, if that doesn't sound too You say that like being corny. a leader is so boring. Well, I, it just sounds like pretentious, but, but yeah, I think, I think just like, yeah, being, being a leader and like creating efficiencies under you rather than trying to be, trying to be three people mm-hmm. like enable one person to be that much better and if you do that to enough people you have like a really efficient awesome organization yeah i think that development piece is so interesting like you have the opportunity to really grow the people underneath you and that's very cool 
I'd like to know, can you share with us your vision for Zezun? Like, where are you in the future state? Uh, so we just want to continue, like, killing our mission of improving employee health. Uh, so, so I think for us, like, because we're uh, an employee benefit offered through through the workforce, um, we we want to create as much value for the employer as we do for the employee. And so, if you think about what our business looks like right now, it's very um, there. There's benefits that cre- that that is created for the employer um, by way of like you know a. a, a fu- a person that has access to wages on demand is More less, fi- yeah, less financially stressed. Um, they'll stay along, stay around longer. More engaged in their job, I'm sure. Exactly, yeah. And so there's b- indirect benefits to the employer, but we want to, um, you know, really like make those more tangible. So uh, really give them insights into uh, their workforce, um, and kind of be like a holistic like HR technology that benefits employees and and their and their businesses you got a good mission my friend before we turn to you as a person i just want to finish off with a couple of rapid fire questions so if you only had two hours a week to focus on zayzoon what would you focus on what would i focus on versus what should i focus on are two different questions (laughs) what should you focus on uh you know i i think i think probably sales um, because it, it, it's what I'm good at. And so I think you should double down on, on that. And, and sale, sales, is, sales is selling to clients. It's, um, you know, strategic partners. Yeah, strategic partners. It's investors. Um, you know, you're selling the business. Um, and so that's, that's where I would spend my, my time. Three favorite entrepreneurs and why? So I just read the Shoe Dog book. Or I didn't just. I read it, I guess, last year. Um, Phil, Phil Knight. Knight. Phil Knight, what a dope dude. Yeah. Um, so he'd be one. Uh, Kanye is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give it for Kanye. As, cra- <laughs> as crazy as he is, like, he's killed that game. Like, Yeezy's crazy. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, my, my partners. So Jamie, J- Jamie and Darcy. Looking back at yourself at 22 when you're exiting university, what piece of advice would you tell yourself? Oh, I just don't worry so much. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So I tell myself right now too. Mm. Stuff works out. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think Casper, you've mentioned before, is a really calm and collected guy. Has he played into that? Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Like, he's for sure, you know, one of my mentors. Um, you know, Darcy's like a super stable guy as well in that sense. Um, yeah, just like know that, ah, it's okay. Words that I need to hear. <laughs> I want to turn to you as a person now, Tate. So uh, I have always seen you as somebody that really thinks differently than the other people that I've met in this world. You've been really driven. And I think people are probably getting the sense that it was also a quiet drive as well. So I just want to get a sense of where does that drive come from? Um, where does that drive come from? You know, I, I don't. I don't really know. <laughs> I, I tr- truthfully, I think um, like it's funny because you say it's like a quiet drive. Like there's definitely a lot of ego in there, <laughs> um, and so I think like 
uh, that that need or that want to like be important is probably a lot of that. Like, um, you know, whether it's a drive to like be successful in business or a drive to be like a good athlete or a drive to be a good musician or like whatever people uphold is like a cool thing. Um, I think like that drive would be there. I think I just, I happen to have that drive for, for business. Um, but if Zazun were to shut his doors tomorrow, um, you know, I think that drive can manifest in a bunch of different areas because really it's just like out of a necessity to like feel important. <laughs> Do you think it's just intrinsic? Uh, yeah. I hear that a lot actually with the guys that I work with where they've always felt like they have something to contribute to the world and some of them don't know how to express it or how it's going to be expressed, but there's this sense that they're just here for a purpose, for service, to help other people. And, and I definitely get that sense with you is that you've always felt like you were here to make a difference in the world. I appreciate that. I, I think it might be a little bit more selfish. <laughs> <laughs> you just want the Lamborghini. You want the Audi A8. I just, I just want to be like rich and like somewhat a little bit famous. <laughs> um, but, but no, no, you're, you're, you're right. Like, I mean, the, the whole thing of being in a mission driven business, like it's, it's cool to be in like a socially responsible financial company because um, it's like a, a double bottom line, right? Like you can do good, but also make money while doing it, which is, I think like the, way to do it yeah and i'm sure in the future there's even ways to increase that double bottom to have an impact in a charitable space or an education space and i know you guys are already existing in that education space to help people out yeah so kudos to you there from an outside perspective again just looking at you tate the person i've i know you as probably the person with the most mental strength i've ever met you've just face these challenges and obstacles and you just face them res with resiliency and courage. And so I'd just like you to talk briefly, if you could, about your resiliency. How have you developed it and how would you recommend others develop it for themselves? I think probably like drive and resiliency are like one in the same, right? Or two in the same? One in the same? Three in the same. Three in the one same. One plus one equals three. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think if you, if you have that drive to like continue to go forward, um, then isn't that kind of just resiliency, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I don't yeah, know if I can... be the same piece. Yeah, I don't know if I can pinpoint, like, a certain thing. I, I, I mean, the, the other thing is, is, like, when we talk about resiliency, it's, like, it's not like I had a, you know, a hard life or anything either, right? Like, it's not like, like, Comox was a beautiful town. I had a great parents, um, you know, great friends, great schools, um, like, surrounded by a good community. So, like, resiliency was really just like about problem solving business things um, or uh, you know putting the effort in or work in to um, be good at something like whether that was music or sports or whatever like it's just like just put in the work do something like do, do it you know what I mean like I, I don't know I shouldn't have given you all those compliments about the resiliency <laughs> Can I get a, I'd like to get a sense of what you do differently than everybody else that has allowed you to get to this point. Can you pinpoint one or a couple of things that you do maybe differently than other people? I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> Netflix. I think, I think that's a lot different than most people. <laughs> um, seriously, I've started like asking people how much TV they watch <laughs> because I feel bad about how much TV I watch and I don't understand what people do with their days. I, I, I legit do not know what people do between the hours of like 
8 p.m. and 11 p.m. Because um, I watch like three hours of TV. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I don't know. Like, what do I do differently? Um, I, I think I just like, I, I try to always check myself. I, I'm not good at like keeping a structured routine uh, necessarily. Like there's, there are, there, there is routine in my life, but I'm not like, I don't have my calendar blocked off for every waking minute and, and things like that. Um, you know, I don't stick to a strict diet. Um, I tend to eat the same things, but it's not like out of, out of necessity. Yeah. Or like strictness or whatever. Right. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think it's just, uh, I don't, I don't know what I, what I do differently. I, I almost from our conversation today, I think, and from knowing you as a human being is your focus on relationships is probably your biggest strength and, and the strong relationships that you have. So I wonder if that resonates with you. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think I'm, I'm good at that. I'd like to think like, like I, I try to create good relationships and I, I enjoy creating good relationships. And um, like, you know, we're sitting in my two bedroom condo right now. And the only reason it's two bedroom is because I literally have people visit all the time to stay here. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. And I like being able to like travel around and like going to Hong Kong um, for, for school and stuff. Like you meet lots of people and then like actually making an effort to stay um, in touch. And yeah. And, and again, being like fortunate to, to fly around and, and like, Oh, you're going to be in, Oh, you're, you're over from Norway for the week and you're in Chicago. Like maybe I'll come to Chicago and say, hi, um, let's go for dinner. And so it's like, hmm. it's like making those relationships actually important um and so i i tend to do that quite a bit that's very cool any specific routines i know you said you're not a big routine guy outside of the obviously your work with zazun but do you have any specific routines that allow you to get more done um oh yeah so so what i was saying before like i, I think like i check myself lots so i constantly do like like am i fucking around like should i be doing something different and so although I don't have like specific routines, um, once I start to get out of a routine or, or be too wishy-washy with stuff, I always check myself and like reset. Um, so for me, like the, the classic routine stuff would be, you know, eating, eating properly, but not on a diet necessarily, um, you know, doing activity. So like we hike a ton in the summer um, or gym in the winter, uh, play squash as of recent, I guess, um, play squash once a week and get beaten up pretty badly and get beaten up very badly. Um, yeah. So, so I think like some of those things are like core to my routine, like fitness, fitness, food, and, um, and reading has always been pretty routine for me. Um, at, at least like from, you know, university on, yeah, we're sitting right beside your bookshelf, and it's, I've got to say, it's a pretty impressive collection, primarily of business books. Yeah, business, biographies, mm-hmm. um, anything Michael Lewis, because it's, it's a really easy read. Yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not good with vocabulary. <laughs> Any quotes right now that resonate with you? Uh, no, there, there is, I'm, I'm reading a... Uh, I'm reading the story of In-N-Out right now. In-N-Out Burger. Big fan. Huge fan. 
and uh, there's there's a quote that uh, that Harry, the the original founder of In-N-Out, Harry Snyder says, um, but I, I I can't remember it right now, but it's it's something around along the lines of like um, like treating your employees well and like treating customers well, um, but fuck, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Best book you've read recently and why? Outside of Shoe Dog. Um, I reread Zero to One. I reread that a few weeks ago. That I, I like that book. I really like that book. Um, I don't know if it's the best book I've read recently, though. I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm looking at the bookshelf right now and seeing. Um, oh, I know. Uh, How to Make Music Free. What God, is that? that is like the best book ever. So I, I think for like, especially for like our demographic, because we grew up in that era of like burning CDs oh, yeah. and having Napster. And like, like we literally saw the progression of like buying a cassette. I used to buy 50 cent CDs. Dude, not like, yeah, yeah, not yeah. like half a dollar, but I mean 50 cent. I used to buy 50 cents. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think like we saw that progression from like cassette to CDs that were like $30 in HMV to like then we just bought spools of Memorex, remember that? Yeah. And then you'd like burn them um, and you download all your music from Napster. And so like th th this book, how, how Music Got Free, it's, it's just like a, it, it, it's like a progression of music, like the progression of that entire era. Um, and it's one of the best books I've ever read. So it, it was just like, so it's just a really well written story. Interesting. Well, we'll have to look that up. Because I definitely remember putting Californication onto a CD for my like eight-year-old cousin because I didn't even know what Californication meant. And just like every Red Hot Chili Pepper song, it was about fornication or drugs, I think. But very cool to hear that. What is the most important thing that you've learned in the last year that you think can massively impact our listeners? Um, just, Just... I think it kind of goes back to like, what would I spend my two hours? Was it two hours, two days, two, two hours. hours, two hours on? Uh, just, I think double down on what you're good at. Um, you know, you should be a, you should be a well-rounded human being. I think that's important. I think um, another good book I read recently, Range, which was kind of like how generalists thrive in a specialized world. And it talks about being a generalist and being able to adapt in different situations and, um, you know, pulling analogies from, from various situations uh, make you better at, at, at something. And so I think like it's important to be a generalist and, and, and like have awareness of various situations, but like at the same time, like double down on what you're good at and just like dive into that. Um, I, I think. That's a great lesson. That's a great lesson. And I think it's also interesting that you mentioned about how generalists can still succeed in this world of, super super specialists that it's not just heart surgeons anymore it's like the heart surgeon that only does it through your leg vein or something like that right so um, it's interesting that there is still this world where generalist skill sets can succeed because probably because they've got a broader knowledge they can tie really disparate concepts together like a Steve Jobs is kind of who I'm thinking of our last question finishing off um, I'm going to ask you to be a little bit vulnerable to answer this question. And at the end of all of our Strive meetings, we always ask one of the guys to reflect on what's holding them back from achieving their goals 
And so I want to pose that exact same question to you. What do you think, Tate, is holding you back from even higher levels of success right now? Just focus. Probably just like doubling down and doing the work. I, I, I honestly, like I feel like it's as simple as that. Maybe, maybe I'm like totally wrong, but I, I feel like it's just like focus, not getting distracted by the shiny things, whatever those shiny things are, doubling down on, on what you're doing well and, um, and like keeping the long-term game in mind. Like it's, it's a long game. And so just like put in the effort and the short term might feel not as good or like you might see people excelling past you and but like the game's not over till it's over. So I think I think like for me anyways, that's that's like a really important check that I always need to do. Cause like especially in especially in like the startup world, you see like these overnight success stories all the time. You're like, oh my God, like yeah. fuck, like how'd they just do all that? Tesla just doubled in <laughs> a month. I, I kid you not, like, like my, my, I had a text yesterday um, where I texted someone, I'm like, why am I even doing Zazian? Why didn't I just invest in Tesla? Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but then like, but it's like, again, like hindsight's twenty twenty, and I don't know the first thing about trading stocks. Um, and so like double down on what you're good at, focus, and just realize like it's a long game. And uh, success can become so monotonous almost where we all probably know what we have to do, but doing it day in and day out and day in and day out is exhausting. But that's exactly kind of what you have to do in order to get to your level, to get to that next level. Yeah, I think just like having, having uh, yeah, every day, like pushing, pushing the needle forward. Tate, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us, my friend. I have always admired your hard work, your dedication. I'm not going to say resilience, but I will say your drive to make this world a better place. You are somebody that always strives for more and you've achieved really incredible things in this world. So I'm grateful that you were interested in sitting down today, buddy. If you want to learn more about Tate, you can find Zayzoon on Instagram at zayzoon.transfer or on their website at zayzoon.com. You can also find Tate personally on LinkedIn at Tate Hackard. Tate, thanks for joining us today. Throw my Twitter on there. What's your Twitter? Tate Hackard. Another avenue to reach out to our favorite, Tate Hackard. Thank you. Thanks, man. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and hopefully you got some lessons from this that you can apply to your own health, wealth, or relationships. I created this podcast to help myself learn from those that came before me. And now I want to pass these lessons on to you to hopefully help you on your journey. Please know that I've got your back, and the world needs you to go out there and create, innovate, and iterate. If you like this content, then please subscribe and continue listening for our weekly episodes.